From Melton Demers and Jill Carlson, welcome to What Grinds My Gears, a podcast about the bizarre and buzzworthy happenings in the world of cryptocurrency. Each week, we delve into one key theme and examine it through a broader financial, political, and cultural lens to learn from the past, understand the present, and explore the future. All opinions expressed by Meltem, Jill, and podcast guests are solely their own opinions. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Meltem, Jill, and guests may maintain positions in the currencies, assets, and companies discussed in this podcast. This podcast is presented by Blockworks Group, the only media production company I trust. For exclusive content and events on crypto, visit them at blockworksgroup.io. All right. So every podcast we've done so far has been themed. Um, This podcast is themed as well. The theme is Blockchain Week. Oh, God. (laughs) I genuinely mean it when I say it's nice to see familiar faces here because this is kind of how I feel when I walk around at conferences. So I'm just like, oh, my God, people I don't know, social anxiety. (laughs) And then I finally see some familiar faces, like many of you in the audience. I'm like, okay, we're going to be okay. I can do we're this. We're all friends here. I yeah. can do this. <laughs> all right. So Jill and I were thinking about this is our last episode for this season. 21 episodes. 21. Oh, I get it. You know, we're losers. That's cool. Um, so there were 21 million Yes, yes. Thank you, Jill. We did not know that. Um, so the theme is memes and marks, summing up blockchain week. So we want to start with the past, as we always do in our podcast. Um, this is my fifth blockchain week, which is way too... Fifth. Jesus. Is bad. I didn't bad. know what was going on. Yeah. Uh, so the first blockchain week, it was 2015, and it wasn't a blockchain week. It was consensus. At the time, uh, Coindesk was an independent company. Um, my former firm, DCG, we acquired, we were an investor in Coindesk. And then after we went to this first conference, we were like, this is awesome. And we uh, acquired Coindesk. But uh, the first one had about 500 people, and it was um, in Times Square in New York at a small venue. And the people who spoke, um, Life Master spoke, which was cool. Wow. She was blockchaining. Yeah, yeah, OG blockchaining. Uh, we had folks from the legacy finance world. It actually kind of felt like this year's blockchain week. In what sense? Like there were no announcements. Nobody had anything to announce. She's <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, let's talk about blockchain. It's cool. How cool they are. So, yeah, then moving on to 2016. So usually when we kick off the episodes, we go back to like ancient history, like 750 BC. This year we're going back to the ancient history of 2015, 2016, right? Yeah. So 2016, was that the year? That was the year of Craig Wright, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, God. So do you guys all remember this? So this was the first time Craig Wright came out and announced that he was Satoshi. And the best part is he was like, oh, I don't want media attention. Except the way he announced it, he had all these PR shots of him, like, drawing on a glass window. And clearly they had done this massive marketing campaign. They'd been pitching journalists the Craig Wright story for months. And I'm like... You don't get to do that. You've been, you have press shots. You have PR shots. Um, <laughs> but no no press, please. No attention. So that was the big announcement that I remember from 2016. That was my first consensus. Yeah, and that was about 1,500 people. So it's a little bigger. That's but it was only one floor. One floor of the Hilton. Yeah, yeah. It was still manageable at that point. And the theme that year was making blockchain real. Right? I don't know what that Which means. 
Well, I'm, I'm just, I, I mean, it's pretty self-evident what it means. It means real use cases, real users. Here we are, whatever, three years on. Not sure we're there yet. So still working on making blockchain real. We're going to talk about that. Then 2017 happened. What I remember about 2017 is in 2016, the Ethereum network launched, right? 2015 was the ICO, 2016, the Ethereum network launched, but nobody was really paying attention to Ethereum. It was still a small project. The community around it was pretty small and mostly located in, in Bushwick, right? It was Jutta Steiner, um, who worked on the Ethereum <laughs> launch, is looking at me shaking her head no. Um, but what was really interesting about 2017 the first morning of consensus, the Enterprise Ethereum Alliance was announced off the back of the R3 announcement. It was the best part of this. There were people in t-shirts, right? Like if Vitalik was there in his unicorn shirt or his cat shirt, and there were a bunch of people walking around in shirts, and there were a bunch of suits. And the price of Ether when that announcement happened went from $10 to $60. And the people in the suits went with their laptops and their credit cards to find the people with the t-shirts. And they were like, show me how to buy Ether. Talk about a transfer of wealth. All the t-shirts were like, have I got a deal for you, my friend? (laughs) There were literally people (laughs) buying Ether in the hallways. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen. 2017 was this year of great transition because we all went into it thinking that the big announcements we're going to be all around enterprise blockchain. Mm-hmm. R3 announced that they raised like a hundred million dollars to pay all of the managing directors that they poached from all of the big banks. Not a good idea, by the way. Um, and everyone thought that that was what the hype was going to be. And then we got there and it was like, oh no, no one cares about that. Everyone cares about public blockchains. Public blockchains are cool again, guys. Well, it's because the price was going up. What's funny is all of the suits who were there in 2017 talking about enterprise blockchain left to go work on ICOs and crypto projects. Totally. Literally 2018 was the year of all of them defecting. So then we fast forward to last year, which is the worst event I've ever been to in my life. Um, I didn't even go into the event because I would walk it was a so step scary. and people were like, I have an ICO. Are you an investor? <laughs> Take my white paper. I was like, oh. My favorite was the very literal elevator pitches where there were these like 22-year-old hedge fund managers who literally just posted up in the elevators because they knew that they'd have a captive audience in there. And God forbid you were going from, you know, the third floor to the mezzanine level. Like they had a full 30 seconds that they could be pitching you. It was crazy. Like, oh 2018 God. was shameless. Um, it was, it was a lot of fun. There were great memes. There was a fake protest outside. The BitMEX guys right. showed up in Lambos. The line was out the door. It was one of these like zeitgeisty things, mm-hmm. right? Like we're oh, Anthony Diorio gave we're... away two Lambos or a Lambo and Aston Martin. Yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah, I don't remember. It was nutty. Um, 8,000 people. I, I talked about this in one of my talks earlier this week, but I straight up had an existential crisis at Consensus last year where I was like, okay, I feel like I should feel really good. Like we're all making a ton of money, but holy shit, what are we doing here? Is any of this real? I'm not sure. What is Denticoin? Why? <laughs> like the worst part I thought was the people walking around dressed as cartoon character versions of tokens, yeah. which just like... Take a second and think about that. Think about the prep that you would have to do at least a month in advance to commission a token outfit (laughs) to be able to wear this conference. Madness. Anyway, so that brings us up to the present, 2019. And this year's felt really quiet. I feel like they're subdued. 
Yeah, there haven't yeah. been a lot of announcements. I will it's say, speed. Um, I was just chatting with someone. Where are you? Um, Amanda Frankel was saying to me, you can tell that the Bitcoin bull is back. There you are, Amanda. She's like, I can tell the Bitcoin bull is back because all these parties that were planned at small venues for like 50 people have now been upsizing to 500 person venues and have been completely crowded. Yeah. So there has been, as the price of Bitcoin goes up and we have this other tokens goes up, people are like upsizing. They're like, oh, money. Yeah. Okay, wait, we need to talk about this. Okay. Who here thinks the consensus pump is real? Everyone. Yeah. Wow. But like that is insane. If you think about it, if you think about how small this event is relative to the rest of the crypto world, relative to the overall market, crypto market, relative to the world at large, like it should not be the case that an event of 4,000 people can double the price of Bitcoin. That is insane. But I disagree. I think the big thing that happens is the crypto community is international. There are a lot of different sections and sort of segments of it um, that, you know, most of the year hang out in their own localized communities. And while blockchain week is kind of terrible, the great thing about it is you get to see everyone. Everyone gets to hang out together. And so I think it's kind of this time where we come together. 2018 was a rough year for a lot of people. The start of this year was a difficult time. People have been downsizing. I feel like we've been, we've gone through this trough of disillusionment where like if you have a hype headline about something that's vaporware, no journalist will publish it anymore, which I think is a really good Until sign. Until this week, for some reason. But I think Sorry, a lot of we'll people have been, like, hunkering down, working really hard, trying to figure out, like, you, right, that existential crisis you went through. People are trying to figure out, like, what am I doing, but why? We yeah. always talk is about any it. of this shit real? And so when everyone gets together, you're like, oh, they're all my friends. Like, we all love each other. We're all doing these really cool things. People start feeling good. And then the other big thing is it generates a ton of activity in the media, right? In the media, for sure. Right. Yeah. And so you then were people... on CNBC yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about how there are no headlines. I mean, the Microsoft Bitcoin Identity Project. That was pretty substantial. You were talking about that yesterday. I was, yes. I've been talking about that all I week. I hear you might be getting a little bit of flack about Yes. Uh, the Ethereum, Ethereum community, community told me that Ethereum owns uh, Microsoft. So that, that was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> They're very angry. But look, there's plenty of room for everyone. But Pro tip, if you're worried about what Meltem is saying about you on CNBC, you're probably doing it wrong. You yes. probably <laughs> have bigger problems. No yes. offense. You have a huge following. I love you. No, I'm just a random person on the internet. I'm not a space <laughs> I'm just a random person. Maybe but I want to go back to, okay, so this idea of announcements is something we want to focus on. So um, some of the biggest announcements in the past, so there was a huge announcement in 2017 that was making blockchain real for the first time. It was when BitGo, CME, and the Royal Mint partnered up to create Royal Mint Gold. They were going to put gold on a blockchain. Everybody was talking about it. It was a pretty cool concept. Okay, but it never happened. Exactly. <laughs> that project gets shelved and they like quietly slid it under the carpet. It doesn't exist anymore. We could, we could do this though for pretty much every headline from the past consensuses. In fact, when we were first conceiving of what to do for this show, we were like, let's just go back through all of the big headlines starting in 2015 and do a where are they now? It's too now, depressing. We're, we're not going to do that because we're like, we're so, we get flack for being so negative all the time. People ask us, they're like, why do you guys work in this industry if you hate it so much? <laughs> we don't hate it. We love it. We believe. <laughs> we also tend to be realists, right? And so it's important. Absurdists. 
absurdist. Absurdist. Oh god, I'm <laughs> hanging out with Vlad too much. <laughs> I thought that the Ethereum. I'm not. I'm not welcome. Not, I'm yeah. not welcome yeah. at Ethereum events. <laughs> I'm an Ethereum community. As of yesterday, public enemy right now. But no. But we do believe, and so we're not going to take you back through the graveyard of blockchain consensus headlines. Although I do appreciate that you called that one out. So that was a big one. Yeah. I, I mean, same thing, right? Look at the three biggest things that happened over the last two years. R3 raised all this money, um, said they were going to completely change financial services, every bank. R3's consultancy. Well, no, they have Corda, to be fair. They do have Corda, but largely, as far as I know, their revenue is coming from consultancy. And from Ripple, from XRP, because oh <laughs> they successfully sued uh, Ripple and got money out That's of right. them for this XRP right. contract. Yeah. Um, so R3, right? We haven't seen much news. And in fact, I don't think they announced anything this year, which is the first time yeah. in three years that we haven't had an R3 announcement. There are a lot of folks missing. Uh, Hyperledger, I feel like, usually had something yep. big to say. Um, Hyperledger this year. I think they're on Ripple enough. as well. Yeah. Usually I, have something to say. They are having their own conference, which I. Yeah, they, they're, they're having their they own have conference. a sweet setup over at the peninsula. I know. Just, yeah. Um, Enterprise Ethereum Alliance, I think we haven't heard anything from. There haven't been big announcements. So I feel like it's are, been really are you saying that Enterprise Blockchain is dead? Nothing. Is that what we're looking at here? Let's talk about that. Okay, <laughs> so what did happen this year? Flexa. Flexa. Consumer. So let's start with consumers. Okay. Yeah. So people who you want to use Bitcoin and digital currencies got a big bump this year, right? It's, yeah, we can now go sped in. Sped. Is that how we say it? Sped in? Sped in? Can we stop reversing letters? Like, okay. The HODL thing is great. It's cute. Biddle was cute. Sped in? No one knows how to say this. Sped in. I I had trouble with Biddle. I was like, is it Biddle? 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 Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so now we can all go sped in our Bitcoin at Whole Foods, Starbucks, which, by the way... You've been able to do for the last four the years. App. For the last four yeah, years. the whole like Ellen Pizza guys, like they've been around for a while. You've always been able to go buy things at Whole Foods with your Bitcoin. That's, but but Flexa yeah. has but Flexa, a lot of money, and they have the Winklevoss. And exactly, I think the Winklevoss have a bus driving around right now. <laughs> and right, they have a bus driving around. They have a store. For I walked by their coffee, store right? the other day. They have like a store where you can go buy plush toys with um flexa stuff i wish we had a screen here okay which of you saw the uh the photo of the winkle by buying something at starbucks with gusd okay if you haven't seen it go look at the picture because the faces the look on the faces of the baristas are just like oh, we do not have time for this bullshit today. Like, we got a line out the door. It's like 8.30 a.m. in Midtown. We do not have time for this shit. Well, that's the thing I said when Bax was like, oh, we're going to help people spend crypto at Starbucks. I'm like, think of the ever-suffering Starbucks barista who's dealing with, like, a 10-part order that's like, I want a non-dairy oat milk, half-soy milk, latte, half-hot, half a pump of sugar. I'm like, And by the way, my name is Melton. Good luck spelling. (laughs) I go with Mary. That's my Starbucks name. But they even misspell that. Like, they've got a lot going on, and now someone's getting out an app and is like, I want to pay in Bitcoin. They're like, no, no, no. I want to damn GUSD. USDC. coin. Come on, Jilly. But okay, in all seriousness, like, as far as I could tell, that was the big announcement of consensus this year, which makes me a little worried, to be honest. Really? 
Like, that's it. That's what we've got. This is what's doubling the price of Bitcoin. No, no. So there's two other... Well, there's there's a lot of other stuff going on. So okay, two, two other consumer announcements that I thought were interesting, but like completely unactionable. So last year at Consensus, HTC announced their Exodus phone, right, which is going to be their crypto phone. Mm-hmm. HTC did another announcement that their phone's now going to run a full Bitcoin node, which is like, that just seems unnecessary but okay like not opposed to that (laughs) and then samsung announced that their s10 is going to have crypto and blockchain features digital signing dApps and potentially samsung coins again i don't know what that means very vague but they're two like mobile carrier kind of announcements i just have fatigue of all of these announcements about announcements that are going to be announced at some point it's like give us the damn product if we want to talk about consensus making blockchain real like, announce that you can go and buy this today and Chill. that it's functional and works. Here's the thing. Everyone thinks that people pump crypto. People also pump public equities. For sure. Right? For sure. When public equities, like when public companies announce they're doing a blockchain thing, typically the stock price goes up. So corporate executives. I don't know. That was 2017. I no. don't know if you can still get it. Still. Maybe today. Okay, let's talk Maybe about our favorite it. topic, Fanon's. <laughs> the world of Fanon's um, is seeing a lot of crypto enthusiasm. Everyone on Wall Street is super excited. Um, obviously, Fidelity, they have launched their custody solution only for Bitcoin for now. And they have um, early pilot clients. And then there's this amazing unsubstantiated rumor that they're now going to be Bitcoin trading, which is funny because I met with the Fidelity team in Boston last week. I was like, oh, you guys are trading Bitcoin. They're like, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> this is what we need to do, though. We're the bully pulpit, and we just bully them into, yeah, now you are Bitcoin. You are trading Bitcoin. That's right. Got no um, this morning, Coinbase announced they have over a billion dollars in custody in their custody solution, which is should be terrifying to people. <gasps> yeah, pretty big honeypot right there. Yep. Uh, so, TD Ameritrade. 2.0. TD Ameritrade went um, on stage and said, our clients love Bitcoin and crypto. We want to offer crypto. Uh, back to set a date. Woo! July. I, I feel like they've been setting dates for <laughs> the chill. Don't worry about it. July. No. July. Okay. Physically set or okay. settled Okay, we'll all be holding our, our breath until July. Yep. Um, At least they're physically settled. I love this. The physically settled futures of the digital currency. Mm-hmm. So um, And then Bitwise ETF got delayed again. So no Bitcoin ETF on the horizon. So it'll be another few months. Uh, my probability on that one is close to zero as you can get. We will see. We will see. Okay. So that was phenomenal. Yeah. Everyone wants to take a Bitcoin, uh, put it in their custody and take away your keys. Mm-hmm. Great idea. And issue your shares. Yep. Great idea. Isn't that kind of what CoinShares is doing? Uh, we are. <laughs> we are. But keep it honest, folks. No, Keeping but the, the goal is look, this is the only thing we have now, right? You have to take this stuff and jam it into this really imperfect solution. But the goal is ultimately what I'm excited about is there are a bunch of people working on really important projects with regulators, with policymakers. It's fine if one custodian has one key, but at the end of the day, the consumer, whoever owns the asset should have a key and they should be the only individual or a key pair that can initiate a transaction. The initiation should always belong to the end owner of the coin. And then there should be a second signer, whether that's a custodian or another entity. And by the way, FinCEN FinCEN supports that opinion with their their letter that came out last week. FinCEN had a lot going on in that letter. But they did. All right, Enterprise. Do you want to talk about the Enterprise? Enterprise. Yeah, so Microsoft announced that it's building a decentralized identity solution on top of, wait for it, Bitcoin. Bitcoin. Which is, I think that's a pretty big deal. 
Apparently, I'm a dirty liar, though. That's what I would call a dirty fucking liar. What was the issue here? Was the issue that you said that they transitioned away from Ethereum onto Bitcoin? But here's the thing. All of these big enterprises are going to have multiple teams doing things within them, many of which aren't even talking to each other, right? Many of which aren't even aware of each other. So I'm sure that there are some people at Microsoft tinkering with Solidity still, but I think that this Bitcoin identity project is way more exciting. It's the first time, at least that I can remember, that we've seen a major enterprise build something using Bitcoin. Well, and I think the important thing here is they're not using Bitcoin the asset. They're relying on the security of the Bitcoin network. Which when you think about it, right, if you're building something on a computational network, you want to use the network that has the most computational capacity, most expensive to attack. And I do think immutability is an important feature. And that's really about kind of the control structure and the community ethos that Bitcoin has. Like Bitcoin has forked many times. There are different visions of Bitcoin. But the current iteration that is market dominant, the network that is supported by all this mining capacity, is the one that has this really rabid community that guards immutability like it is life. So I think that's important. Yeah, totally. Call me crazy. That to me was the only major enterprise announcement though. It's been kind of refreshing to not hear all about security settlement for once at consensus. Although maybe that was just me avoiding the Deloitte lounge. Maybe if I'd gone in there. So here's the craziest thing actually. Deloitte last week, people may have missed it, Deloitte last week announced that they're moving away from all other blockchains and using only VeChain, V-E-Chain. Now, who here has ever heard of VeChain? Oh, fair number of people. I had never really heard of VeChain. Like, I saw it on CoinMarketCap. VeChain is the chain that, like, all of my, like, non-crypto friends are always trying to sell me on. They're always, like... Jill, I, I got to put you into this trade on VeChain. Like, VeChain is the future, man. And I'm like, I don't know, dude. I spend a lot of time in this space. And, like, I don't know that much about it. But, yeah, this is but, the thing that they're always trying to So I about. asked someone from Deloitte, um, who is in the tax side, to be fair. So he's like, I don't know anything about what's going on. But his story was VeChain has the most transactions. So they need the VeChain. Most transactions per second? I don't know the most transactions, Jill. I don't know. Don't you want the most transactions for your chain? Was this, wait, Deloitte, you said? Yeah, the chain the chain of the chain that does all the chaining of the blocks. I, I have no idea. I, I do know, though, that Bitcoin signed by straight up got kicked out of the Deloitte lounge. Why? He, he was having a conversation with someone, apparently, who works at Deloitte, and this Deloitte guy was like, yeah, you know, I started Bitcoin mining back in like early 2009 and Bitcoin sign guy was like, bro, there were like 10 people who were Bitcoin mining in early 2009. Like, no, you weren't. And they got into this legitimate kind of tussle about this until the guy threatened to call security unless he left the Deloitte. His lounge, his version of reality, chill. (laughs) That's like people who come up to you and they're like, yeah, I got into Bitcoin in 2007. I'm like, I don't even, I'm just like, I'm so excited for you. You must be really rich. Good job. Yeah. Or, or job postings that say, we're looking for minimum 10 years of blockchain experience. Yeah. And it's like, no, you're not. And oh, by the way, they're going to pay you like 75K and give you 0.001% equity. Yeah. Good times. Okay. But let's talk about the other theme that I think is really important, which is all of the negative news. Oh, God. Oh, God. I mean, I feel like a lot of the negative news <laughs> came out in the lead up to this week. 
The right. Binance hack, obviously. Binance hack, um, Bitfinex not having full backing for Tether. Oh, we're but all then, so surprised, right? But then literally 10 days later, raising a billion dollars. No problem. Um, it reminds me of EOS, honestly. There was so much... But if I don't you, want to say laundering. But <laughs> did I just say laundering? Uh, Asia just is a different place. So we're going to get to kind of macro <laughs> themes that are going on. Cryptopia this morning announced they're going into liquidation. So that chapter is getting resolved. Binance resumed trading. So good job to Binance. They got it together. Um, the SEC fined uh, Alex Tapscott for violations oh in the fundraising of, of their funds. Because they listed advisors they didn't actually have. I don't know if you all remember this. They listed a bunch of people as advisors. They also didn't file any paperwork. They didn't file any paperwork or any registration paperwork with the SEC, I don't think, but solicited capital from U.S. investors. That is a no-no. Do not mess with the SEC. They will find you. Register. Pay your fees. Yeah, it turns out this is not actually the Wild West. Not. This is Wall Street. Rules still apply to people. Um, and then Tron everything. Who actually went to consensus and saw the Tron stuff everyone it's just in sun space just everywhere it's on all of the elevators i saw a picture of it also like in the urinals it's like on the floor by the urinal so while you're peeing no there's pictures on it and there was a bet going around for someone to take a video of someone peeing on the thing (laughs) oh my god i'm not kidding wait why that's just that's like terrible Product placement, truly. You know what? Any PR is good PR in the oh world of Tron. So my favorite thing about Tron is, so they sponsor Consensus. Justin Sun, space is everywhere. He's the CEO of BitTorrent now as well, which is hilarious. So then uh, the CTO announced he was leaving Tron on Friday because it was not decentralized. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> shocker. <laughs> then on Monday, Justin Sun sued the CTO oh for embezzlement. So, like, now we're in this weird PR war. It's so bad. You know what, though? Tron is going to be just fine because they are so good at pivoting their narrative. Their narrative now is dare to defy. Mm. It's like, do you guys have, like, a decentralized exchange? Like, what? Like, Wasn't it not media? Isn't it for media, like a media platform, I thought? Is that what it is? Does anyone know, know, like, the one-liner for Tron? Yeah, it's Dare to Defy, which is like decentralized finance. Exactly. Yeah. So no one, no one really knows what's going on with Tron. My favorite thing was I was talking to Ryan and Bram from Chia a couple weeks ago, and Ryan, of course, introduces Bram Cohen as oh, he was the inventor of BitTorrent, and then a couple of other people around us were like, oh, so do you work with Tron? Yeah. And Bram Cohen, you can just see, is like curling up and dying inside. Like, no, no, I'm not you know, employed by Justin Sun. You know what's crazy, though? So Tron paid $170 million to buy BitTorrent. And there's actually a really great article um, about the history of BitTorrent, why it's never been profitable as a business, which is really interesting. But um, so Tron paid $170 million, uh, for BitTorrent, but they weren't the only bidder. Neo was in a bidding war with Tron, which makes it twice as entertaining. And then the best part is, so when Amazon bought Whole Foods for $13 billion, Amazon's market cap went up by $50 billion, right? So it's basically a free acquisition because it was more value creative than yeah. they spent on it. I feel like the Tron acquisition of BitTorrent is that way because the market cap of Tron went up by more than they spent on BitTorrent. And then... They launched a BitTorrent token on top of Binance, and you had to pay right. in BNB 
to get onto the exchange so you could get the other BTT to like, it's, it's kind of brilliant <laughs> multi-level marketing. They're like, we have three that we have a token, -token marketing. People. That's right. If you want first, this token, you got to buy that token, put it here and then buy the second token. And then you trade the second token for the other token. All right. That's enough tokens. Yeah. Okay. Is that it? That's all I get. That's all you get. Okay. All right. <laughs> So that's that's kind of our rant for today. I want to let's talk about what we're excited about because I'm okay. actually really excited. I also wanted to open it up to them. So yeah, you guys that. can talk about what you're excited about, what you want to rant about, and or we can rant with this, you. Yeah. Does anyone have anything? Well, wait. I want to do what we're excited about because we have okay. to be optimistic, all right? right? Go for it. So one that's thing right. I we, we actually like this space, guys. We're in it for a reason. Yeah. So one thing I'm really excited about is I feel like the narrative around crypto and I'm looking at Nathaniel Whittemore yeah NLW um, who talks a lot about narrative oh my god I've never seen you in real life <laughs> right what's going on this is my blockchain week is actually yeah, kind of good yeah you look just like your avatar sometimes people don't sometimes yeah. people look nothing like your avatar that's true yeah. hashtag on brand Love it. Um, so you've been writing a lot about narratives. I think a really great thing that happened this year is to the point of there not being so many announcements. I think people are just here to genuinely connect with people, to talk to people. But the hype has kind of died down a bit. And it seems like the media is actually playing a role in this. They ask better questions. Kind of. They do. They do. Um, there's a second thing I want to talk about that I'm really excited about. So if we look at kind of like macro themes, China trade wars back on. I think that was a big part of the rally this year is people in China are looking at the U.S.-China dynamic. I disagree. The U.S. really has nothing to do with the Bitcoin price. Like I hate to say it, but the U.S. market for Bitcoin is teeny tiny. I just I don't think we're at a point yet where macro trends are playing into the price of Bitcoin. Sure. I hope I hope that we are. I hope that people are finally waking up to like, oh yeah, Bitcoin, digital gold, this is a risk-off asset. But I don't think that the market is that mature yet. I think it's still viewed, if anything, as a risk on technology. And I actually think that the anti-correlation of Bitcoin versus the S&P this week just tells me that we're not even close to this. I, I disagree with you. Us. So I think macro markets are in turmoil. 2018 was a rough year for equities markets. The end of 2018 was nuts. Uh, the stock market this week has been super volatile. We've had a bunch of high-profile tech IPOs absolutely shit the bed, right? <laughs> well, they were just overpriced by the bank. Sure. But at the end of the day, I think a lot of people spent the last two or three years hearing about Bitcoin. They look at what's happening in the market, and they're like, maybe this thing isn't so crazy because, like, it, there seems to still be hey, people. Hey, Uber has no revenue either. Uber has no cash flows either. Right? But they have a or network. No they have Excuse a network. No they have a network. It's all Just about like the Bitcoin network, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think the fact that the narrative has gotten smarter, that's that's important. It's not as gross. It's not as hypey. Um, there were no Lambos. That's positive. There were some of those like fake toy Lambos. I've had this for a year, to be fair. We've had it for a year. It's an old, it's an old, old model. model yeah. yeah, that's right. Can't afford the new one. What yeah. else? Like, there's positive stuff. Talk about open money. The price money. is going up. The Talk price about is open going money, up. though. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I mentioned earlier, I had this existential crisis at Consensus last year. I was like, what is any of this for? Um, the answer that I kept coming back to was, if people in places like Venezuela aren't using this, like, we're all screwed. 
Like, if there's not adoption amongst the most closed economy in the world with a currency that's inflating 10 million percent year on year, like, if people there aren't using Bitcoin, we've got a real issue, like, as an industry, right? Like, this is supposed to be the killer use case. So I, along with a couple of friends of mine, we basically got together and we were like, let's go investigate this. Um, we managed to get together funding from a bunch of folks in the community. I see Zucky here, Cosmo sponsored us, Tezos, um, the Human Rights Foundation, Zuko and Zcash. So we got a lot of support for this and we went down to the field. We didn't go to Venezuela. That would have been no bueno. But we went to the border of Venezuela and we did a bunch of research. And lo and behold, yes, people are using crypto there. Now, it's not the like... 50% of the population like getting pulled out of poverty because Bitcoin is pumping that I know a lot of crypto bros want to hear, yeah. but it is real. It is happening. And I think that there's a lot of scope for this industry actually be able to serve that need just by asking kind of like you were saying about the media, asking better questions. Right. But that's always been the point, right? The question is, but why? And I'm excited that we're now doing empirically driven research on the but why. I think that's the most important thing we can be doing, because if the only thing we do is speculate, then like we don't need to have a, a conference. We can just all go to Vegas like the traders do, right? Blow all our, our profits <laughs> and just have a great party. We don't need to like pontificate on stages about how crypto is going to change the world. So we need, there's an actual basis, starting point for it. Yeah. Okay. So well, see you in Vegas next year. <laughs> Damn, Jill. So I actually met up with a lot of the JP Morgan blockchain team. They're hiring for a bunch of roles, and a lot of them report directly to the treasury business unit. So it's not an innovation business unit. It's not a blockchain business unit. It's a business unit with PNL. Like that's really, that's huge news. Yeah, that's really important. A lot of these innovation teams, like they just turn into innovation theater. And that's not a knock on the people who staff the teams. Like it's often a lot of the most brilliant people at these firms who are staffing these teams, but they just don't get taken seriously internally. And so getting out of the sort of innovation silo is a very yeah. big deal. And then I think the other part of it is, um, so to me, what's really bullish is historically JP Morgan has been very focused on private blockchains. But when I talked to the blockchain team, they had to create JP Morgan coin because effectively if you're issuing an asset on a, your internal private fork of Ethereum, which is what I believe Quorum is, you have to settle on the same medium. If you connect to the correspondent banking system, you're replicating the same problems you have now. So they created this US dollar backed coin to settle on the same medium as the smart contract. That's really cool. And now they're actively working on opening it up. Now, here's the really cool thing is even though right now it's a private network and a private implementation, they're building an internal internal set of wallets held by different business units that are capable of holding Ethereum compatible tokens. So now for the first time, you have infrastructure within a large institution that's connecting multiple business units. While it's still an internal pilot only between business units there, the idea, just like with SockGen, that they could someday flip the switch and you can effectively Trojan horse public networks into that, pretty exciting. Now it'll be a long time before that happens, but in my mind, that's like step in the right direction. What I really appreciate about that team as well is they're very honest about this. They don't put out a bunch of pumpy headlines that are pretending that they're doing something today that they're not. Like you talk to Christine Moish, very realistic, like, yeah, we're playing a very, very long game here, but that's what we have to do. So they're actually one of the enterprise projects that I'm more bullish on, I would say. But we'll see. Yeah. Look at the stock price. 
This is a new narrative. It should not be impacting the stock price. That worries it does, me. It does, Jill. Markets love. Look, the same game. I put on this trade, actually, at one point. This was, what was the Christmas two years ago? Not this past Christmas, the Christmas pressure, sure. when everything was going insane. I went long IBM stock yeah. and short ETH, thinking that, like, okay, IBM should be pumping as a stock because they're doing all this blockchain bullshit, and mm-hmm. ETH has gone out of control. I should actually check on how that actually ended up. I don't think it did well, probably, but... We will, we will see. I mean, it's definitely strategy. Yeah. Where there's a will, there is a way. And look, markets are all about information, right? They're sentiment machines. And so if the market believes that blockchains are going to impact the enterprise, people are going to play that theme. We see a bunch of ETFs that hold public equities impacted by blockchain. They're actually asked to take blockchain out of their names, which was interesting, right? That was a, a recent headline people missed. But there are a bunch of people who are trying to create exposure, particularly I think um, Brian Kelly has an yeah. ETF that does that. I've been complaining about Tether like since I entered this space. So I'm happy to see more competition to Tether. It's not Tether's competition. Why not? Because te- people like to use Tether precisely for the reason that you hate it. Because it's not fully collateralized, even though it claims to be? No, That's because, why people like to use it. because it's used on an exchange that has a less stringent KYC AML Who's requirement. Die, baker. It can't hold its peg. Neither will tether. You just wait and see. <laughs> sure, you just sure. Wait and see. Um, but, but look, the stablecoin thing. I think every platform is going to have its own stablecoin, quote unquote, because it costs basically zero to issue. There's really no competitive difference between Gemini or Circle or t- like. At the end of the day, if people are willing to accept it as fi- at face value as a dollar equivalent, it doesn't really matter who issues it. And I think, again, um, as long as the barriers continue to go down, like issuing an ERC-20 token, opening a bank account, and creating a one-to-one link on your balance sheet between every dollar in that bank account and every token you issue, that's not something that's complex to do. So e, I don't think that's, it's a competitive. Managing that is more complex than you think. It's sure. also very capital inefficient, right? Mm-hmm. So to me, the most interesting experiments, stable coins, are things like DAI. And that's for a couple of reasons. One is, I mean, DAI is still in many ways very capital inefficient, but it's less capital inefficient than doing this one-to-one peg that these centralized exchanges are doing with all of theirs. But the even bigger thing is that with all of these, with GUSD and USDC and Tether and all of these uh, sort of stable coins that are linked to a centralized exchange, you're just replicating a lot of the problems that exist with today's system, right? Where today's system, a lot of the problems are that you have these different silos that you're having to move between. And crypto, which kind of ironically, it like promises to break down a lot of these silos and to be this sort of global, globally liquid thing. Like if you have to go back to the original exchange to cash back out, from your stable coin into US dollars, like you haven't actually broken down those silos. But that's that's the core issue is interoperability. If everyone issues their own proprietary USD coin and they're not redeemable on other platforms, you're just splitting liquidity. And so this is again where I think the major theme for this year is gonna be, and we're already seeing this with exchanges, they list all the dollar coins. Free market, baby, choose, choose your favorite dollar coin. They're all functionally the same, hopefully. Um, so we have Tron. Uh, we have mobile coin, which is, totally. uh, oh, sorry, Telegram, sorry, which is yeah. Tum, 
Like the Sean is everywhere though, so I can't blame you. My brain hurts. People need to come up with better names. Okay, Everything Telegram, Ton, Mobile Coin. Is a signal, right? Yeah. Um, Facecoin. Facecoin, that's right. Rocketen coin, which is not messaging. Uh, Samsung coin. We already have M-Pesa, which is basically a carrier network coin. Mm-hmm. Um, look, these things are interesting to me. Like it doesn't excite me. The crypto side, it's not cryptocurrency. Right. This is about keeping more value in the network. It's about value well, capture. TBD. T- I mean, that that all depends on implementation. That's and true. I don't and know I think- enough to say. Like, mobile coin, I'm pretty sure, is an actual cryptocurrency. Facecoin, Zuckbucks, whatever you guys want to call it, Libra. I'm not sure what that's going to look like. But the important thing to me about that, and the reason why I'm actually pretty optimistic about it, is I think that they're asking a lot of the right questions. They're not trying to compete with Bitcoin, as I understand it. I don't actually know sort of the inner workings. Nathaniel Popper would disagree. They're not trying to compete with Bitcoin. They're trying to compete with WeChat. They're trying to be what WeChat and Alipay is for the rest of the world, right? Which they're that trying is to compete, actually no, they're a trying much to more interesting. Why would they pay a bank that's well, that fine, fee fine, but that's what WeChat and Alipay have done. Right? It's a way of becoming a bank without actually doing any of the shit a bank does. I don't think that's right. I think that they've looked at China and they've said, look at what WeChat and Alipay have here. This is the future of what finance looks like. This is the future of what banks look like. I will disagree with you, Jill. And a year from now, we can talk about this. I think the whole Facebook Libra project is a giant redirect. Facebook's under a lot of pressure. Antitrust is coming. The U.S. is implementing privacy laws. I wish antitrust was coming, but... Even if it doesn't, there is pressure, and they have to look like they're doing something. Facebook coin has nothing to do with, like, crypto or... They started this project, though. It's about revenue capture. Yeah, exactly. And they see what's going on with WeChat and Alipay, and they see that that is a huge source of revenue for those two companies in China. But why does it make you bullish for crypto? It doesn't make me bullish for crypto. It makes me bullish on the project because they're fighting. They're fighting the right enemy, right? They're asking the right question, not how can we compete with this teeny tiny like hundred billion dollar market. They're asking how can we compete and become the WeChat and Alipay of the rest of the world. Well, Telegram has one point seven billion dollars to throw at whatever it is they're doing. Um, I hear there's going to be like a, a launch situation, so. I think we have to do a whole episode on this. I think yeah, that's, that's the messenger clients. Thanks, Zaki. Good topic. So look, capital markets are changing, especially private markets. This is something that started in the early 2000s, has continued with the Jobs Act. Crowdfunding was supposed to be this mass innovation that was going to let mom and pop in Kansas invest in Facebook Series A and get ridiculously rich. Um, I think the idea of venture capital, right, it's kind of this asset class that's been unchanged since its creation. More and more firms are moving earlier and earlier stage. What I'm shocked by is like VC, even five years ago, VC was still a relatively small and specialized asset class. Now everyone does venture, right? And it's moving earlier and earlier stage. PE firms that would only do $50 million deals are now doing $5 million Series A rounds, right? And so to me, this continued creep into venture, it's one of these last unexploited asset classes. We're going to see a lot more of this. What I love about the long-term stock exchanges, they didn't need a blockchain. They didn't need a token. I was joking about this. I was like, oh my gosh, you can change private markets without blockchains and tokens. Um, So I think, again, what this demonstrates to me is if we look at everything that's happening in the U.S., 
financial change, market change in the U.S. moving so slowly, what Bitcoin proved to me is we can build an entirely independent market with its own infrastructure, its own players, its own everything. For the last 10 years, that's how cryptocurrency has evolved. It's only really recently that legacy finance has really interacted with the market at all, but it hasn't been necessary for this market to grow. And I think if you look at the success of the crypto market, it's actually very bullish for the evolution in the private capital market and private markets in general. Like you can build entirely independent financial infrastructure an entirely independent market, and you can do it in a way that will later allow you to fit into sort of legacy markets. So I think it's really bullish. I think venture firms are under a lot of pressure. They're either going to be specialists that are really deep in one vertical and that vertical only, and are quote-unquote value add, or they're going to be massive conglomerate generalist firms that have a massive amount of resources on staff to do platform services and help these companies grow, evolve, raise capital, and charge fees. You this live is, you live for the two, not the 20. It's no <laughs> different than hedge funds. This is where I think it's important to look at the macro. And if you look at the macro with the ultra low rates environment, yeah. everyone is addicted to the capital inflow from every central bank in the world. That's pushed people out the risk spectrum. And that yeah. has pushed this gush of money Right. Into venture. Into, into venture yeah. I also think the big thing that we're not looking at uh, closely enough is Vision Fund, right? Masasan came in with a $100 billion checkbook. That's the size, double the size of the VC market in 2017. Masasan came in with a $100 billion checkbook and he deployed it in 18 months. It's insane. And he's already returned the fund and he's about to raise another $100 billion fund. And so someone like that showing up with a massive checkbook, how are you going to compete with that? Everyone else added together is half the size of SoftBank's checkbook. That's insane. Talk about centralization. But also, like, talk about the madness. So I think um, venture is going to get really interesting. Venture is going to get crazy. Um, it already kind of is. But I think it's good. I also have a belief that the last 10 years of venture led to the world we live in today with surveillance capitalism and all of the messed up internet business models we have. And so to me, the interesting thing will be what happens when you have an entirely different set of investors come into these markets. Are we going to continue to see the same model we've seen Silicon Valley push with like bigger, better, more aggressive business models? Or are we going to see something different altogether? And I think that's where the political side gets really interesting. So it'll be fun to watch. It's a little hard to say, obviously, where this is going to shake out, but I think you're absolutely right that there's this theme of people are finally calling bullshit on these numbers. And I think that that's a more important factor than perhaps we want to admit to ourselves about institutions coming into the space or lack thereof. I was meeting with a buddy this morning, just like an old friend who works at one of the biggest ETF providers, um, just on Wall Street in general. And this was one of the first things he was asking me. He was like, how do we even parse out what the top 10 cryptocurrencies are? Like, I, honestly, I don't really know. And I think initially... Tron. Yeah, right? <laughs> like... <laughs> I think that dare to defy Jill. I think that initiatives like Masari are awesome at this. I think that um, you know guys like Nick Carter who've done a ton of work around just data analysis, That's and data coin transparency, metrics. coin metrics. Yeah, um, I think that you know those are all awesome. But I think that you're right that we also have this almost like unsung hero class of crypto citizens out there, which are these big market makers, which like 
no one knows the names of, no one knows who they are. Like you really have to like dig and turn over rocks to find these guys. Um, but, but the they, reason they're doing this, let's go back to incentives, right? Go ahead. Um, so these players have been in the market a long time, and the way they made money historically was arbitraging spreads between exchanges. That's how XBTO made the majority of their money, was just arbing Bitcoin across exchanges. They can't make money that way anymore. There's competition now. Like The OTC side of the business, people don't talk about this enough. It's changing tremendously. It's already changed really fast. And price competition, service level competition is increasing on a daily basis, right? You used to have like three desks that were really in the game. Now you have more getting added every day and they have risk management system. They have treasury management systems. They can do reporting directly to your fund admin. Like the OTC game is changing really fast. We're going to see major changes over the next few months. Way bigger players are going to enter the market. Jump Capital out of Chicago is crushing everyone right now. Yeah, they're that's so, what I was going to say. They're Forget so XBTO. good at this. For, like, like XBTO is we're a talking about, We're talking about yeah. the institutional Millennium, Renaissance, players. Two Sigma. Two Sigma has two traders on the desk 24-7 trading Bitcoin. So people who have historically traded ARB and cross uh, But that's where stress. the cleanup is coming from. Yeah, but so yeah. like they now need to go public. They're probably going to raise capital for some type of public vehicle because there's more pressure. The market's more competitive. I think this whole narrative around fake exchange volume, like, yes, it's important, but it overshadows the larger point. It's no longer enough. Like the, the pickings aren't easy anymore because the game's gotten much more crowded and it's only going to get more and more crowded. And as that happens, you're going to go from making a dollar per hundred dollars on your trade to a cent, to a tenth of a cent, to a hundredth of a cent, it's going to become a volume game, and it's going to become a control game. So this is but about good. Control. If that leads, if that leads to the cleanup of the industry, it's fine by me. I'm not then sure. maybe we can finally get that Bitcoin ETF right, Monty. Uh, yeah, but but so long as the the holder of it has a private key. All right. That's we'll close point. it out there. We've got more margaritas for everyone in the back. I'm going to get a watermelon margarita. Yeah, Chick-fil-A. Um, yeah. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thank you guys so much. Yeah, and thanks to everyone who tuned into the first season. We've had a lot of fun. Season two is coming soon. It's going to be even spicier. <laughs> we have a lot of work to do, uh, but we're really excited. We've probably learned more than anyone listening to Oh, my us. God. Yeah, the amount of research. It probably doesn't sound like it because we sound like hot messes on the podcast. <laughs> but, like, we actually do do a lot of research. Well, we also we record it at 3 a.m. my time or 6 a.m. your time because we're – East West Coast. Yeah, yeah. It's rough. It's a whole thing. Well, yeah. if anything, you know, this season I've learned to love Jill. I've <laughs> re-fallen in love with Jill. Hey, this is Jill and Milton. Thanks for joining us for another week of What Grinds My Gears. We love hearing from you, so please hit us up on Twitter, send us feedback, join the conversation. Follow us on Medium at What Grinds My Gears, where we share a summary of each week's episode, references, reading materials, and of course, memes. Our episodes go live every Tuesday morning at 7 a.m. Eastern time. And if you're a crazy person like us, make sure you subscribe on iTunes so you never miss an episode and get it in time for your morning commute. Share it with your friends, or better yet, share it with your enemies. Thank you so much for listening. We love you, and we'll see you next time for What Grinds My Gears.